Guys, we are back with another episode and another interview. Super excited to, to have another guest on today. Uh, she will be joining us through a Zoom interview, and so I pre-recorded this little introduction. Cameron Kinsey is a conservative social media influencer and student at the University of Louisville, where she studies political science with a minor in philosophy, politics, and economics. Beginning college as a closeted conservative, she cheered at her college before quitting the team after feeling uncomfortable about expressing her political views in what she says was a very left-leaning environment. This move led Cameron to her to own her voice and join her college Republicans chapter. Since then, she has worked on Representative Andy Barr's congressional campaign and as of last summer, becoming a Turning Point USA brand ambassador. Since then, she's amassed tens of thousands of social media followers and has become public about her conservative values and the suppression she experiences on campus. Guys, it is my pleasure to welcome our guest, Cameron Kinsey. Bio, uh, or I, was, I was reading a little bit about you when I was preparing for all this, and I saw you, you're majoring in political science and minoring in philosophy, politics, and economics. Are you triple minoring? Okay, so I actually changed my minor, but what Louisville does is they put it into a PPE minor, so it's actually all-in-one. It's not triple, uh, triple minoring. It's just one program, but I changed my minor to communications because um, there was a little bit of overlap with the philosophy, politics, and economics, um, and I wanted to at least have some communication background since Louisville doesn't offer a broadcast journalism major or there's uh, no specific program of that nature um, at the University of Louisville. So I did want to have some communications because I do want to go into commentary. Yeah. Um, so that was the best fit for me. I was doing philosophy, politics, and economics, but a lot of those classes overlap. I have to take economics classes. I have to take philosophy classes and I have to take politics it's just what it is so um it was it was kind of like a repeat of what i was already doing so i wanted to get something new um and get some experience with um more communications cool awesome yeah and and you know you're you're obviously pretty smart because didn't you go into college at six was it 16 years old is when you went to yeah i yeah it's crazy yeah so i graduated high school a year early um, so I would have graduated at 16, and then um, I'm actually graduating college early. This was not planned, okay? I just, I thought that um, I wasn't going to be graduating early just on time, and then I went into an advisory appointment, and she was like, yeah, you're graduating early, so <laughs> so I'll be graduating in December at 20 years old. Wow, yeah. that's, that's pretty yeah. amazing. I'm 20 right now. I still have three semesters last year. You're doing, it's you're it's doing. crazy. I I have people that are older than me going into their junior year, so it, it's just it's baffling. I have no clue how I did it to be honest. But <laughs> yeah, I know. I <laughs> here I am. Year, I remember freshman year there was a a girl on my hall who was who was seventeen, and and I found that out, and I was, I was like, okay, wow, that's really. I mean, I was given. I was still. I had just turned nineteen. I think. Yeah, I just turned nineteen. It's just like it's so weird to see someone who's like not a not a legal adult already off to college and everything. And so if I heard sixteen, like I I don't know, that's probably the youngest I've heard go off to college since I don't know. I think like Einstein or something. Yeah, when when he was. I was. Yeah, it's crazy, and I uh, I do plan on uh, continuing my education though, um, just because I am so young. Like, why not? You know, I have all the time in the world. Um, so I'll probably, what I'm 
thinking about doing is doing a master's program in broadcast journalism and then moving forward, uh, go into law school uh, somewhere. I don't know any specific schools yet, but that's the that's kind of the course of what I've laid out for myself. So that's awesome. Good for you. Uh, so, yeah. so freshman year, you come in to, to U of L and you started cheering. And I know, I know the gap between mm -hmm. you, you know, you cheered and then you left. I know that when you left was kind of when you started getting more into politics. So why don't you give me a little timeline about, about what happened there? Yeah, so uh, I didn't get too involved with it while I was cheering just because of the controversy. It's, it's controversial no matter what, but being in the position that I was in as an ambassador on campus versus being an ambassador <clears throat> in the political realm didn't seem like the, not the smartest move, but um, just, I think there was a little bit of a, a controversy there. But so what I did was I started uh, doing more political uh, stuff. I would say, well, this is kind of like my junior slash senior year, I'm assuming, because I'm graduating early, so a semester early. So I would have stopped cheering my junior year, so this year. And uh, that's really when I I came to a realization. I, uh, I was like, I can either uh, go through life staying silent and playing it safe and getting nothing out of it, or I can take a risk and maybe have everything I've ever wanted. So I, uh, I prayed about it and I really thought that that's the, like where God was moving me towards. And uh, cheerleading was one of those things where it wouldn't last forever for me. I didn't see a career out of it. Um, it was great. The college experience was great. My freshman and sophomore year meeting those people um, and developing relationships with them. but Politics was where my passion lied. And um, I knew from the second when I realized that and I came to terms with it, that's when I stopped cheering. And that's when I started doing this. Um, so there wasn't really any overlap. I was pretty solidified in my positions while I was cheering. I just wasn't as vocal about them. Uh, so when I stopped cheering and uh, I kind of geared more towards uh, starting Turning Point USA on Louisville, Students for Trump on Louisville's campus. Um, and that really uh, solidified um, uh, my influence on campus um, and pretty much conveyed that I'm not a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> yeah. the, but, were, were a lot of yeah. your were a lot of your friends that that you cheered with were you scared to to kind of you know talk politics with them or scared to kind of be vocal about your views with them yeah um i think they they knew i just didn't really say a whole lot i kind of kept to myself but i mean yeah there is that kind of fear of being pushed away and and uh not being you know uh um, what am I trying to say? Not being noticed and, uh, you know, kind of just being pushed away. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they would say during, uh, 
practice like f donald trump and stuff and and i knew my political science major and somebody that was watching the news mm -hmm. i knew that they just did not see the full story they were seeing what cnn was telling them or they were seeing what twitter was saying right. all the all the woke twitter people uh stating how racist he is and um our narcissistic uh xenophobe and whatever phobe on the planet he is and that's where they got their news from so uh yeah so i didn't really state a whole lot of you know what i believed in and uh but i did stay true to myself if people ask me about it i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie whatsoever um so they knew but i just wasn't as vocal yeah so so you leave, you, you're, you're done with cheerleading and you kind of come out of the conservative closet, so to speak, I guess. <laughs> so how was the, how was the, uh, how, how was life, you know, getting into that, you know, political realm? Did you get pushback? Did, you know, you lose friends or, or how did that kind of play out? Uh, yeah, it definitely showed me who was really supportive and in my life and in my inner circle. Um, the funny thing I tell people, uh, all all of my best friends are Democrats. So, uh, really? it, you know, you can, you can still be friends. Yeah. You can still be friends with, uh, oh, with yeah. people that don't have the same beliefs as you in a, um, a tolerant environment. Uh, you don't have to stay clear of all the Democrats just because of, of what you believe. I, I'm not that far, uh, you know, into the realm of where I'm just going to discard everybody. Um, I'm not saying a lot of people do that. I'm just saying in general, some people typically hang out with who they align with, which I do too, um, within the political realm. Um, but yeah, I, I did receive some backlash, but, uh, it's been more positive than negative. Uh, I remember being at my first turning point event, and uh, I met this woman and her daughter came up to me. Uh, I forget what about, but uh, I started telling them my story and um, just kind of telling them why I was there, uh, telling them that I quit cheer and I started doing this. And uh, they just, they stopped me mid-sentence and they're like, can we pray over you? And I'm, I'm a Christian and it was just a really heartfelt moment where I just knew like I was where I was supposed to be. These were the people that I was uh, supposed to be with and that are gonna push me to be better. And when you make that transition and uh, whatever you're doing in life um, and you're scared of not having a place, like it just solidified that I was supposed to be there doing that. I'm supposed to be there in this movement and that's the reason why God had me not do cheer and I was, in the position that I was supposed to be in moving forward and uh, being on the front lines of this movement. So uh, I also, with negative comments and stuff, I don't pay attention to it, but I always look back to this Winston Churchill quote, and he says, you know, if you have enemies, good. That means that you've taken a stand for something and uh, sometime in your life. So, with negative comments, I don't really pay attention to it all that much because I know I'm having more of a positive influence uh, than I am pushing negativity out into the world. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and focusing on the negativity, there's already enough drama and negativity in politics and then focusing on yeah. the personal negativity that you're getting yourself would drive, it would drive me crazy.
And uh, I actually, I actually yeah. did for a little while. I, I, I had a, uh, I filmed a protest at NC State and it, it went a little bit viral. And I started getting a bunch of DMs and added to all these communist group chats and stuff like that and just started getting a lot of, a lot of hate. And for a while, it, it took me a few days to just like get it together and be like, you, you, if, if you focus on all this negativity, it's going to drive you up a wall. And so, so yeah. it's, it's, it's good to hear that you're handling it good like that. So you mentioned Turning Point. How did you get involved uh, as an ambassador? I know you're an, an ambassador for them. So how did you get involved with that? Yeah, uh, through Instagram, actually. I knew this girl that I had cheered with um, and she lives in Florida now and she was a Turning Point ambassador. And I, I went to their profile page and I was like, wow, this is everything I've ever wanted in like a page. <laughs> like, yeah. like all the views, all the posts. I'm like, wow, like I really align with this. And um, I truly believe on what they're doing, um, you know, advocating for capitalistic principles in society and really taking a stand and fighting against socialism in this country. And I reached out and I think I, I don't think I filled an application. Maybe I did. But I know I reached out and I was like, hey, I want to become involved. And this was way before I had ever posted anything political on my Instagram. So I really want to thank Charlie Kirk and the influencer media team for seeing something in me that I didn't see for myself. And uh, I think that that really pushed my gear uh, towards fighting in this movement. Uh, but then at my first Turning Point USA, I, I believe it was the Student Action Summit in Washington, D.C., there was a booth and they were uh, trying to recruit people uh, to start chapters on their campus. And I was like, wow, you know, Turning Point uh, would have a great presence on UofL's campus because there is a silent majority on campus because they're too afraid to speak out because of all these liberal professors. So uh, I brought it to campus and it was incredible. I think I tabled for two hours and got 2,000 signatures. Like it was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, how many people were like, thank you for doing this. Like and being out on the front lines, on the ground, taking a stand as a conservative student. And I mean, we had everybody from conservatives to libertarians to even Democrats, moderate Democrats were like, hey, you know, I don't want socialism in this country either. I'm yeah. gonna take a stand with you. And it was really empowering to see people from all, um, different spectrums coming together and uh, really pushing for this movement. So that's how I got involved. And then that kind of branched out into Students for Trump and uh, me doing a little bit of my own influencer stuff on social media. That's awesome. So, so I guess yeah. we'll segue, you mentioned Students for Trump. We'll segue a little bit into Trump and then talk about, you know, some current events, coronavirus, obviously. But, um, um, yeah. you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, what what do you like that or what do you think is why do you think it's so easy to get behind trump i think i think in the conservative realm you know obviously he has the majority of conservatives on his side but there's still some conservatives who are never trumpers there's still some conservatives who who just refuse to he he could do he could do anything in the world and can, and some so-called conservatives still want to you know, hop on board with them. So what do you think it is? What was it for you personally that you saw in Trump that that really made you, you know, back him? I relate to him. Like, it's 
it's his rhetoric that makes or breaks him with the never Trumpers that are conservative, but it spoke to me. He was saying everything that I was thinking and too afraid to say. Like, it was incredible. He disavowed political correctness, and that's what I loved about it. I didn't want any more bullshit from political people and positions of power. I wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know what needed to get done, and I backed him every single day after after it. I mean, it was just incredible to hear somebody actually just speak the truth for once and try to completely sugarcoat things like how they normally do in um, in press conferences and stuff. You'll see him be like, you're fake news. You wrote a piece on me the other day that was completely untrue. He just calls him out. And I love that. And, and I, it actually just spoke to me and really gave me the courage uh, to speak out and say what I was thinking the entire time. And honestly, it's the best thing for me because I've actually had people come out to me and say, you know, you really gave me the courage to speak up and speak my mind, uh, regardless of what I was thinking. So it was really empowering. That's why I relate to him. Um, he also has middle America backing him mm -hmm. and, uh, coming from a working class family and him fighting, uh, for small business. dollars to uh, uh, middle-class families in the United States. It's really empowering to know that he isn't just pushing for the 1% like the false narrative portrays. It's, you know, he's working hard for those working-class families. And uh, for minorities, I mean, you see Trump, it's the lowest unemployment rate for Black Americans, Asian Americans, uh, young employees just starting out, women. Um, and, you know, I mean, he's just, he's fighting for us. And that's why I'm backing him. But he also says what he thinks. And I love that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. My, my thing, I was talking to, to my cousins about this yesterday, actually, is, is the way he commands a room. When he walks in, uh -huh. his presence, it's just, everyone knows he's there. And you saw that even in the, in the debates in 2016, where even, everyone's on stage and just all eyes are on Trump. And I think a lot of that had to do with mm -hmm. his, you know, re with his career in reality TV, um, with The Apprentice. But he just commands a room. You, you, he Absolutely. walks in, and, and when he's when he's sitting, you know, when he's doing those press briefings or when he's sitting down, it, even when he's sitting down, he's he's hunched forward, hands together like this, just asserting his dominance. Mm -hmm. And and that's just something yeah. that personally I love. It's so alpha. You know, you see Bernie, uh, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden. They're kind of just, you know, sitting in the back and, and trying to speak up, but Trump's just sitting up there and kind of at the front lines, just, like I said, asserting his dominance. That's something I've, I've always loved about. Absolutely. And he, there's just a sense of relating to youth with him. He, uh, like when he said during the debate to Hillary, um, cause you'd be in jail. Do you remember yeah. that line? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think people our age went nuts over it. They were like, that was the biggest roast of 2016. And that's when we all came together and they're like, wow, like this guy has the balls to say that on national news. Like we just want somebody that we can relate to. And yeah. that is not like, he's not BSing us like any other politician. It's 2020. Like, we need to wake up and realize that those days are over. They're behind us. We need to push forward. And as America, we need to relate to one another. We're not all that different from each other. And I think that he brought out the best of us in that yeah, situation. Man, 
Speaking of favorite of, of funny Trump moments, I think my favorite one, it, my favorite one before was, was that with Hillary, but something beat it recently at CPAC. And I think you know what I'm talking about when he was talking about mini Mike and he leans down, <laughs> get me off of this stage. That, that one did it. That's, that's gotta be the best one for sure. There's some, there's some top 10 moments. I think somebody needs to make like a TikTok or a YouTube video of it. Yeah. If there already hasn't been. I'm sure there are. It's, just, it's, it's comedy. It's yeah. absolute comedy. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I want to segue a little bit into to current events, mainly the, the coronavirus. First of all, how are, how are you doing during quarantine? You hunkering down? I'm holding up. I bought a bike from Walmart the other day. <laughs> Best $100 I've ever spent. Um, I've been riding it <laughs> around my neighborhood. But I think that during this time, uh, it can be good for some people. Maybe some people are staying home with their kids and they're like, wow, maybe I should spend more time with my kids. Or, uh, you know, maybe I should start doing more for my grandparents or my great grandparents that are, it's kind of hard taking care of themselves. I think this can be a moment of coming to realization for some people. Um, I think I, I, me personally, I stay away from social media during this time. Uh, more than ever because it can just be so negative and divisive and people just going absolutely crazy. Do I blame them? No, we're stuck in our houses with no non-essential businesses, which by the way, there are no non-essential businesses. Every business is essential in America, but it, it can be really hard sometimes, you know, like just sitting here not doing anything. But I also think that it could be really good for some people uh, to have this time to themselves and really reflect. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and you talked about all the negativity in the news cycle. Breitbart News did something that I love. They started this whole segment and they have a social media page for it called Be Inspired News. And it's all, all of the, you know, you have all the negativity and all the fear mongering and stuff being put out by MSM. But Breitbart started that, that Be Inspired News and it's all stories of, of good things that are happening during this coronavirus, yeah. like, like landlords, you know, giving, giving uh, people a pass on their rent for the month and encouraging others to do the same. You know, I think it was Kroger giving, maybe Kroger giving cash bonuses to their workers, people, you know, getting groceries for the elderly and stuff. There's all sorts of stories out right now in the coronavirus in the midst of all the chaos of of Mm -hmm. people, you know, young, old, rich, poor that have really come together and really just just kind of banded together as Americans. And and it's it's comforting to see. So that's probably been my most visited social media page during during quarantine, just because it drives me crazy. So I see some of that and it just gives me a little little light of hope. It gives you time to restore your hope in humanity on that page, I think a little bit, but um, also to rekindle with relationships and uh, reconnect with people that you used to talk to. I think that this can be a great time uh, for people to um, reestablish connections and relationships and and do things they normally wouldn't do and branch out. Like I, I mean, like I said, I bought a bike. I don't think I would have ever thought that a 110 pound girl would be strolling through with a bright blue bike in my neighborhood, but here I am. Um, so, I mean, there's different things you can do. I bought Sorry off of Amazon. Um, there's a bunch of different, Monopoly has started um, having a newfound interest in that. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there's just, there's different things that people can do. If you were ever wanting to read a book, go read a book. Like, now's the time to do it. <laughs> now, is the, now is the time. I couldn't think of a better time, honestly. Um, but yeah, it's 
it's but it's crazy it yeah. really is yeah no i i me and my roommate went to went to walmart and bought tennis rackets and baseball baseball because <laughs> the gym shut down at liberty the gym at first they were letting a max of 10 people in for okay. and you can only work out for 30 minutes and so i think they should have done that with every business yeah yeah so they, they were they were do i don't think there was a need oh you cut out yeah no the the connection's getting a little disrupted but um but yeah so we've we've after mm-hmm. they did that for a little while and then they eventually just closed the gym all together um after governor northam kind of cracked down so me and my roommate i mean you know we work out every day and we were like what do we do now i <laughs> so, know so yeah you have to find to be creative you have to be, yeah, you have to improvise. That's yeah. for sure. But so, I think it can be good for some people too, to just realize there's more to life than what's on your phone or what's on the TV. Like go out and live your life. Like maybe this will be a, a coming to Jesus moment for people. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, but, I hope both. If, if they stop threatening to arrest pastors for having worship gatherings. Anyways. <laughs> Um, yeah but they yeah but they can release child rapists from prison yeah isn't yeah. that crazy yeah the sex offenders like that's what that's what we've jail, come to the the sex offenders that they let that's out of jail were um they were stati- they uh, they looked at the numbers and they looked at their offenses and everything most of the sex offenders they let out of jail are the most likely ones to repeat or to be repeat offenders and i was like are you kidding me I mean, it's, it's unconstitutional to limit a person freedom of speech. Like if they want to go out into their community for the benefit of others and preach about the Lord and give their testimony, then so beat it. That's freedom of speech. They're allowed to do that. It is unconstitutional to arrest somebody for simply just stating the word of God. It's just, it's, I want to say it's baffling, but it's truly disheartening to see that and then but child rapists and and molesters can be uh taken out of prison like yeah. i don't i just have no words for it yeah the 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 thing that i've said since since that all has been happening is is should churches be gathering in mass crowds and stuff like that right now probably not we probably need to practice social distancing but should churches be held at gunpoint and say you will be arrested if you if you gather and have worship service, absolutely not. Um, so definitely. No, and the video, the video that I saw, people were in their cars listening to this yes, guy. Yes. So yeah. I'm like, what's going? What's wrong with it? Yeah. I just don't get it. Yeah, it's kind of scary to see how how the government's kind of abusing their their. Um, I mean, people, I think it's so funny how people during this time are like this is miserable uh we have to limit what we buy in a store we have to limit who we see what we can do um that's socialism to a t and some people are fighting for that i'm like now you get a little taste of what it's like if we elect bernie sanders as a man leader of the free world it's not going to be free anymore there's going to be you like these empty shelves at walmart you like that yeah yeah you like that you should get used to it yeah seriously so so what's your theory what's your theory with all of this with the the coronavirus personally i don't think that the bat soup explanation or the bat soup 
theory is plausible. I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I think I've made an exception for this. My theory is that it came out of that biochemical lab in Wuhan. Uh, it, I think it accidentally got, the virus accidentally got spread within the lab. Someone took it outside the lab and then it started getting spread. Chinese government found out and they kept it on the hush hush because they didn't want to see me. I'm fully blaming the Chinese government for this. Like, oh, I'm not going to shift the blame on a damn bat. It's, no. it's fully on the Chinese government right now. Um, again, I don't really, I haven't really gotten into the whole conspiracy about how it started and stuff, but I know for a damn fact that they're the ones to blame because they've been hiding it and they lied about it and people have died because of it. So that's all I have to say about that. I also want to shift gears on the social media side where if you've been seeing uh, Trump tweeting about the medicines that have been actually helping and benefiting people uh, that have had coronavirus and, and uh, if, you, if you read the comments, people are just making fun of him like, oh, you're not a physician, you don't know anything. But I read this Facebook post and I'm not going to say who it was because uh, she actually only allowed access to her friends, um, her close friends about the post, but uh, she was given the exact same medicine. She was like, I wouldn't have been alive if it wasn't for that diagnosis that he tweeted out. So the people that are just saying, oh, he's, he's actually listening to his advisors and he's only simply just relaying what they've told him of what's actually working, but people are so caught up in Trump derangement syndrome that they're just going to completely deny everything that he's saying and uh it's, it's crazy but um she during the facebook post she was saying that uh that she wouldn't be alive because of it and that her symptoms were completely um getting better within i think it was like a four to five day period uh so that's that's really good that we're making ma medical advancements uh towards actually curing this thing but absolutely um, my thing is my thing is though with this i just don't think the economy can sh be shut down for more than two months i really don't i think no i mean and and even if they try i think people are either gonna like revolt like we will rise again and small business owners just come out of the blue and start reopening like we don't need guns. like your opinion <laughs> yes yes did you see where there was uh, 2.5 million gun sales in March. Yeah. Like and, and I love, I love how it's freaking taken a pandemic for people to realize that guns aren't just used for shooting uh, or Obama hunting. Sorry, for hunting. Pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Took yeah. Obama took it took out. yeah. So in, in, <laughs> in light of all this, the, the 2020 predictions, I, obviously I think this is going to hurt Trump a lot, unfortunately. Um, especially, you know, if, if the economy doesn't recover in time, it's going to be really hard to, to, I think, for Trump to snag a victory with, with unemployment potentially skyrocketing to, you know, some experts are estimating like upwards of 20% unemployment. And you see, yeah. you see the Democrats pushing their own agenda through all this. Obviously, Nancy Pelosi is pushing her agenda. They put, they put, was it, it was either 25 or $75 million in the, in the stimulus package for the Kennedy Center. And if I remember correctly, I think I saw that. Is I'm like, why does there need to be money towards this right now? Yeah. So you All see, right. them, you see them pushing their own agenda, and obviously, I think obviously they're using this to 
to hurt Trump's 2020 chances. So what, what are your 2020 predictions? You think, are you, are you a little worried about a Trump victory? Well, I think it goes back to, first I'll start off, it goes back to the reflection of 2016 elections. They are still pissed that they lost. And their only focus right now is beating Trump. It's not the American people. And it's really sad because even during a pandemic, uh, you know, that loss formulated Trump derangement syndrome. And when you look at what's happening now, uh, their sole focus is themselves. And it's, it's truly sad. I think that nobody wants to be in the president's position right now. That's a really hard position, as well as governors. Um, and people in those positions of power having to make those decisions. I don't think anybody wants to be in their situation, whether you're a Democrat governor or a Republican governor, or if you're the president of the United States. But his approval ratings have gone up because he did give more power to the states. Um, I think that this will either bring America together or, or divide us. But right now, I'm trying to focus my energy and effort to the people who want to come together. There are always going to be Debbie Downers and negative people saying like, oh, he's doing such a terrible job. Well, why don't you go be president of the United States for a day? Like, he's not going to please everybody. And he hasn't since day one. He's actually been, you know, one of those presidents that, uh, you know, you either absolutely hate or you absolutely love. And uh, I don't think that this is going to be any different. Like, again, I think it reflects to the 2016 election for sure. Uh, but I think that this may help him, to be honest. His approval ratings have gone up. Uh, so I'm more focused on that than I am the people on Facebook, you know, being keyboard warriors, saying how bad of a job he's doing. Yeah. Um, so, no, I'm, you know, I'm for Trump all the way. I mean, you look at the candidates on stage, one of them uh, has severe dementia, <laughs> and, and the other one's a straight-out flat socialist. Communist. Yeah, social, yeah, communist. It's, it's just, it's insane. So, you look at your options, and uh, you see, you know, would I rather elect a guy that, you know, maybe he is a little bit controversial, maybe a lot of bit controversial, uh, but he's, he states that the truth and he doesn't try to BS anybody uh, and he is giving me equal opportunity to succeed in America or am I going to elect a guy that advocates for socialism? I can't do what I want um, in this democracy and I can't, you know, maybe start my own business or he's going to dictate what you can freaking buy at the grocery store. Or a president, you know, that can't even formulate a sentence. So you have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, that Trump has a pretty good chance, though. I, I, you know, there are some people that are like, oh, it severely hurts him. But I honestly, I'm not going to look at this pandemic as whether it helps or hurts a president. I'm going to look at it as whether if this brings America together or if this slowly divides us. But, um, you know, I think just like, from my small community, not to go on and ramble, but from my small community, I've never seen more people outside talking to each other, talking to their neighbors, relating to people, regardless of what side of the aisle they're on. Um, 
social distancing with uh, family members that maybe have different political views. It's just a time, I think, to come together rather than get on Facebook and, and bitch about what the president's doing or what's going on in this pandemic. Because I think at the end of the day, we should have America's best interest and heart and this president is going to do whatever he can to help us succeed. I mean, he, he qu like quit what he was doing and he decided that America came first and he stopped what he was doing within his businesses and his personal life. And he said, Hey, look, I want to really help America succeed. And I think that we should remember that during this pandemic. My personal belief, there are going to be people that say it divides us, though. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, d I definitely think there's there's a lot to be said about, as as far as you were talking about hope, you know, Ilan Omar even, even you know, implied that Trump was doing a good job. And so my hope is in, yeah. in a lot of the election is that, people will realize this isn't, this isn't specific to America. The entire world has gone through this. So my, I'm holding on to the hope that, you know, the blame, that there's too many common sense people to let the blame fall on Trump because he has done a good job in responding to this pandemic. Um, but but yeah. that's, that's good to hear on your end. And, and we'll close out with a few questions. I put a story, I put an Instagram story up yesterday uh, for a Q&A that people might have for you. And I have a few here that we'll go through real quick before we close out. Um, First question, okay. where, did your where did your conservative influence come from and how have you maintained it in college? Um, well, I think it came from learning about our nation's history in class. And uh, I came to a realization that I can either stand aside silent with no contribution or I can be on the front line leading others uh, to gather the courage to join this movement as well. And uh, I've maintained it in college just by staying true to my beliefs, um, reiterating I started Students for Trump and Turning Point USA at Louisville. Um, so that really contributed to my efforts to uh, keeping the movement coming along um, during this time. Very good. Uh, what is the most intimidating moment you've had in college for being a conservative? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I was sitting front and center in my Religion of Native Americans lecture hall. And um, this was the day after the Covington Catholic incident uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, with Nathan Phillips and Nick Sandman, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And uh, during this class, because uh, it was relevant, because I was in a Religion of Native Americans class, I guess, um, so my professor looked right at me and uh, she asked what I thought about it. <laughs> and of course, the first words that come out of my mouth were, I think the media falsely portrayed it. And uh, there's this false narrative that's, you know, globally, you know, known for people to think that they're at fault and they're not. And I mean, you would have thought that somebody died in the class. Like it was complete silence. Nobody said anything. And mind you, this was right after somebody stating how, you know, racist and horrible Nick Sandman was. And here I come blossoming out of the first chair in the class. I mean, I thought I was gonna be exiled from campus. Like, 
it was, it was probably like the crazy experience of my life and she just completely just stared at me didn't know what to say it was very awkward but I mean I'm glad I stated what I did because it was falsely portrayed and the evidence showed that yeah the evidence showed that there was no confrontation on their end and uh yeah it was complete bs so I just had to call it out on on the facts but yeah that was probably the most intimidating experience nobody had any comment or anything it was it was intense but what is uh (laughs) what is your response to women who say abortion is sexist and anti-woman um well, I think there are more women that think the abortion laws are sexist and um, because it's limiting a woman's right to choose. Uh, but people that say that abortion laws, you know, restricting access is anti-woman um, are merely being overdramatic in my perspective. They're the ones that are stating that women don't have the same rights as men. And, you know, it's 2020 and you live in America, it's time to get a grip on reality. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and, and to kind of capitalize on that, my thing, my thing has always been, like, abortion kills women, too, guys. Like, if, mm-hmm. if, you know, if, if we start with the premise that life is life, and you're saying, you know, abortion's anti-woman, what about the women you're killing? You know, abortion, the Planned Parenthood was started by an actual racist, who wanted to, who wanted to, whose goal was to kill black people, uh, abortion, and and you're sitting here Mm -hmm. telling me abortion's racist or sexist or whatever epithet you want to use, and it's like, do a little research, Um, but but last question, and I I think you talked about this, I think you talked about this a little bit uh, in the beginning briefly, uh, what, what are your plans after, after college? Do you want to make a career out of politics? I think you mentioned uh, something about broadcasting or commentating, Yeah, so uh, I got into conservative activism, working on campaigns, um, joining Turning Point as an ambassador, Uh, but behind the scenes, I actually work in the Capitol um, in Frankfort, Kentucky, uh, for an organization called the Kentucky League of Cities, Um, so we pretty much just advocate for um, every city in Kentucky, uh, advocating for legislation that will help benefit them. Uh, so I do do that uh, full time, but uh, yeah, I I kind of share the moves I'm making when I'm not in the process of them when they actually happen. So we'll see. I do have some plans in the political realm. That's where I'm centering my uh, career aspirations. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'll I'll be sure to announce uh, what's going on in my life when it when it happens to viewers watching this and and my followers, but. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to pray about it and see where life takes me. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for hopping on. I really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time out. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was great talking to you and talking about this stuff. It was a super organic conversation. And uh, I look forward to seeing what happens during yeah. all of this. But absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Thank and you I- for having me. I had a lot of fun.